Welcome back to episode 173 of the Blockrunner podcast. Here is where we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel to follow along with our discussion. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Iman, and today we're interviewing Ken Lau, the CEO of Xverse Wallet. Here are some of the topics we discussed today. First up, how did Ken get into the Web3 space? Next, Ken explains how Xverse has been deeply involved in the Bitcoin development space. Then, we discuss how Stacks was regarded as the only viable solution to building applications on Bitcoin. And finally, what does Ken think of the future of Bitmap? All right, let's listen in. Welcome back to episode 173 of the Blockrunner podcast. I'm your host, William, always here with your co-host, Iman. What's going on, dude? And on the sticks, we got TJ. Hello. And most importantly, today, we are having Ken, the CEO of Xverse Wallet, joining us today. Appreciate you for joining us, Ken. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. So... Um, maybe it was like a week ago or two weeks ago, we did a video on your guys's announcement. Yeah, it was a big one. It's, it's huge deal because this is, I think the first time that a project within the ordinal space gets an investment. Yeah. I think, I guess, perpetually throughout our existence in web three, we've always found ourselves in, I don't know, spaces, I guess, where uh, we have to question our own sanity because we're, we're in such a niche environment and it seems like the outside world around us doesn't necessarily agree with our thesis at mm. the time. Right. And then these things happen like previously in our metaverse endeavors, like all of a sudden, you know, Facebook pivots to meta. It's like, oh, all of a sudden the world does appreciate what we're, what we're working on. Right. That's right. So now we're refocusing on the ordinal space. Is this actually something that that is important or is it just us? Are we, are we the crazy ones? So you guys getting your funding and announcing it was a big, like, I think inflection turning point. It's a confirmation that right. the space is legit. Yes. Yeah. I, I, so we made that video because to us, that was like a, we, we correlated to the beacon, right? The, the signal in Lord of the Rings or whatever <laughs> that to me, that's what it felt like. Like the beacon has been lit. Yeah. Now the signal has been sent to the rest of the world. Building it for Bitcoin is a big deal, right? So we definitely want to get into the meat and potatoes of like what you guys think about like how this builder culture is going to evolve mm -hmm. on Bitcoin because this is all new to everybody, right? This is like a less than one year old phenomenon. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. So Ken, what's your background and history behind the Xverse team and the core mission? Yeah, so I am a software engineer. Uh, that's my background. I've been you know building, writing software for over a decade now. Um, I got into crypto in 2017 and that was when I joined the Stacks team, uh, which, you know, Stacks is building a smart contract layer two on top of Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, I was working there for about four years and, you know, while we were working on the project, I kind of realized, you know, there is a potential for web three on top of Bitcoin, uh, especially with what Stacks is building, smart contracts and other projects as well. Um, but there just wasn't a very compelling wallet experience on Bitcoin. Uh, certainly nothing that can compare to the user experience of um, MetaMask or some of the other wallets on the uh, other layer one chains. Mm -hmm. um, so I decided to start this company to basically build a wallet that has good user experience for Bitcoin. Um, and, and some of the wallets that existed before us for Bitcoin, I think 
it's either, you know, they are made by exchanges and they basically support everything, uh, or, you know, they're a multi-chain wallet, uh, or they, they're like a very, you know, hundred percent Bitcoin focused, uh, wallet, mm -hmm. but it's more geared towards like power users who care about, uh, security and privacy above everything else. And it just wasn't a great user experience. So, uh, for us, one of the biggest problems that we wanted to solve was how do we make this user experience better? Uh, because I think in order to onboard, you know, the mainstream users, you need to have a good user experience and yeah. what was out there in the market at the time, uh, just wasn't going to cut it. Um, so, you know, in the beginning, when we founded the company, uh, we shipped our first, uh, MVP wallet, which was a Bitcoin wallet, uh, that also supported stacks for the, you know, web three functionality. So you could have NFTs and other things, um, swaps, fungible tokens, uh, on top of this layer two. And from there, uh, I guess, you know, basically the beginning of this year, we, we saw the rise of ordinals yes. and it was basically, you know, everything we wanted to build, uh, on layer two, but, uh, directly on layer one, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just made sense for us to support it because we were already a Bitcoin wallet. We supported NFTs or NFT-like functionality uh, and smart contracts. So it, it took us about four days basically to uh, to build support for, very basic support for ordinals. Mm. And we shipped that and you could basically have a graphical UI to store and view your ordinals. Uh, before that, people were using um, Sparrow Wallet, which you know they don't support ordinals officially, and it was very easy to make a mistake when you use it because uh, you had to basically keep track of every unspent output mm -hmm. and make sure that you don't accidentally spend it. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, you know, we decided to uh, you know go deeper. And we were the first ones to ship the uh, Bitcoin wallet API, which basically enabled uh, marketplaces uh, to make these PSPT swaps of ordinals with Bitcoin. Um, and yeah, and basically we grew from there. That, that's interesting. So basically you had built a wallet that was focused just primarily on just like Bitcoin and people using it P2P. Um, you know, and all of a sudden ordinals, um, I, I guess was released by Casey Rodermore, um, at the time, how did you, how did you know to support the ordinals ecosystem so early when there was very little traction and, um, and like why, why the decision to support ordinals in the first place so early on? So I think in the beginning of this year, basically the markets were down in crypto overall, right? Yeah. And what we saw was that there was actually a lot of activity happening uh, in, in the Bitcoin space, especially with ordinals. There was a lot of discussion on Twitter, uh, even though the tools for ordinals were like very primitive and very, you had to be like, you know, an expert mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to Bitcoin in order to use it. And inscribing wasn't that easy either. You had to like run your own node. And, but we saw that even with all these uh, difficulties and friction, people wanted to, you know, inscribe things and, and use ordinals. Yeah. And 
I think we saw the, this potential and we decided to basically invest our time and resources uh, into this and just see where it takes us. Mm-hmm. So what what is it about ordinals that you think people, you know, were reinvigorated to build on top of Bitcoin? Like Yeah, because Stacks has been around for a yeah, long time. Exactly. And and there's more like functionality and more robustness available on right. that layer two, right? And we've already seen layer two is a flourishing ecosystem on Ethereum, right? And a lot of projects that originated from layer one of Ethereum have migrated to layer two mm-hmm. to to fulfill your thesis of if we're ever gonna have mainstream adoption, we need that that optimum user experience, right? It can't be done on layer one as far as we know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what, why all of a sudden are we, I guess, from from that thesis perspective, we're kind of regressing in a way from a user experience standpoint, but we've, I guess we've unlocked something, something that's pulling on all of our heartstrings. I don't know, <laughs> something, we're all being gravitated towards it for whatever reason. What do you think that is? So I think there's a combination of things, but uh, first and foremost, ordinals are, you know, different uh, from NFTs on other chains. They offer uh, different properties. Um, one of them being, uh, you know, it's based on Bitcoin, the most secure mm-hmm. uh, chain there is. And all the content for ordinals, uh, they're written directly mm-hmm. uh, onto the chain, right? Mm-hmm. So the it's much more durable compared to, you know, something like, uh, NFT on Ethereum, where the actual image is stored on, you know, IPFS or even worse, you know, just somebody's computer with a link. And if that that server or someone decides to stop paying for that server, your your content is gone, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas on Bitcoin, every Bitcoin node is storing that data, and you can be pretty sure that uh, your data is going to be there on the chain, accessible for a really long time, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think also because at the time, you know, some of the other sort of NFT chains like Solana were experiencing some problems and a lot of the developers there were kind of uh, like, I guess, giving up on it. Um, and mm-hmm. they, a lot of these people, um, they first actually started to build on Bitcoin. And then because Bitcoin just didn't offer the same um you know, ability to be built on top of, they went to uh, Solana or the other chains, but now they see that there is this protocol uh, on Bitcoin. Uh, They basically came back and started building there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And another kind of factor that I want to mention is it's, it's actually quite simple and more straightforward compared to NFTs on other chains because there's no smart contracts yeah. involved, right? It's mm-hmm. anybody can just go and inscribe something. And I think there was sort of like a, a unique property of like getting the, the early numbers, inscription numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of started this like uh, land grab uh, of people trying to inscribe the first 10,000, first 100,000. And I think that kind of just snowballed from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is it? Um why why do you think something like counterparty didn't really take off was it a timing issue was it just lack of traction um what do you think yeah i I think it's also a combination of things right i think it was way too early and at the time people just just haven't seen you know a successful nft protocol or model take off right um but now after this many years people saw that 
you know, NFTs can be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are tons of like NFT marketplaces and things um, on other chains. Yeah. So, you know, why not move that over to Bitcoin, right? Yeah. And then the other thing is infrastructure, right? I think back then there just wasn't any compelling wallet experiences or, mm. uh, you know, ways to like trade uh, these things uh, with people easily, right? And now after so many years of like innovation, people have figured out how to do these things. And even the the NFT marketplaces, they were able to add support for those relatively quickly, right? As we've seen in the past, you know, six months. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, ordinals can support complex functionality as, you know, some projects I've built on Ethereum where some NFTs are being used for DeFi, um, you know, all these like different kinds of functionalities. Do you think that's possible in the ordinals ecosystem or do we need something a little bit more uh, complexity built on top of Bitcoin, like some sort of smart contract layer? So I think it is possible, but do we want to do that is the question, right? Yeah. If, if, you know, if order knows with, I think at the peak, we had like maybe a hundred thousand, 200,000 people actively using uh, the protocol, it already drove the prices for transactions up to a point where, you know, it just wasn't sustainable long-term. Right. Mm. And, and yeah, like if you build an even more complex system on top of that, you know, with more transactions, it's definitely not going to be scalable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think there there is a there's a purpose uh, for people to build these build on top of it. I think it's more to demonstrate that it's possible. There's demand for it, mm-hmm. and if you wanted to do everything on the base layer, you know, maybe maybe it's like hundred times more expensive, but it's on the base layer. You could do that, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's you know that's something that some people might want. Um, but I think long-term wise, if you want mass adoption, you need to have some sort of scaling solution, whether it's like mm-hmm. a second layer, uh, or something else. And I think this is where I think stacks can come in mm-hmm. because there is a very robust smart yeah. contract system. Mm-hmm. It's anchored to Bitcoin yeah. and you know, the, the project is actively building out this SBTC solution, mm-hmm. which could power uh, all these complex applications on Bitcoin and provide sort of like a more seamless experience for you to move between the layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's sort of what's played out in like the other uh, chains, uh, like Ethereum. We have like yeah. blue chip NFT projects sticking with Ethereum. And then we have like the game NFT projects on Polygon, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I tend to agree there's going to be markets uh, for projects that are going to be willing to pay a hundred times more to have an ordinal on the Bitcoin blockchain versus another project that has some, a little bit more functionality due to smart contracts with stacks, but it's a lot more scalable, a lot easier to use Mm -hmm. and a lot easier to build for. Yeah. So that, that tends, you know, I, I think that follows like what has, you know, happened in the past. Um, so what is it, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on like these fungible tokens on, on Bitcoin? Is that something that's going to have to move to a second layer or something that we can actually continue building? Yeah. <laughs> and just to add on to that, just because I, I, I wonder myself, 
um, often, like because uh, we, we've already experienced like an NFT boom and bust cycle in the previous, you know, 2021, and it, it definitely tapped into a lot of the mainstream zeitgeist, right? Mm. And the the fallout of that is this this idea of NFTs is it's there's a lot of negative sentiment around that. So it, it we're kind of like recreating the same um, ethos, but on now on Bitcoin, but we, yeah. we're labeling it something different. We're calling them digital artifacts. Right. Right. And is this is this the narrative you think that is going to because based on what we're seeing, if if this uh, creator culture doesn't migrate to the second layer, we're kind of stuck with just producing these products that are very eerily similar to what we've already done in Web3. Right. JPEGs. Yeah. You know, very static creation, stuff like this. So from the mainstream perspective, it's like, you know, Web3 is we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Right. So is this narrative enough or do we have to build much more infrastructure ahead of time in order to create something like a new paradigm a new, of new wave of innovation do you think um yeah how important do you do you factor this in do you do you think about this often whenever you're you know we, all of us involved in this industry we like to kind of think forward like what is it going to be that next thing yeah that's going to grab everybody's attention the way nfts did yeah i i think so you know fungible tokens I think is important um, for for Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and we've seen that there is a lot of demand for that on Bitcoin with BRC twenty. Um, but ultimately, BRC twenty is more like an experiment mm -hmm. and demonstrator for demand rather than something that you can take and uh, build on top long term. Right? Mm -hmm. um, I think you know it's not going to work if you just copy. Uh, what has been built on other chains and yeah. move it to Bitcoin um, because there's really no incentive to do that, right? If it's already working really well on some other chain. I think if you can sort of create a similar model, but add unique properties that are you know unique to Bitcoin, that could be the driver of success. For example, Ordinals, right? Yeah. Uh, it had the unique property of being 100% on chain. Yeah. And that's why one of the reasons that, that it grew so fast, right? Mm -hmm. So I think first we need to build the basic infrastructure for all these things, right? Like uh, people need to be able to transfer fungible tokens on Bitcoin easily to store them easily. Um, first, maybe like replicate the kind of functionality that already is there on other chains. And then developers can take this and build things on top of it, right? Make it more unique to Bitcoin. Um, I think one of the cool use cases for a fungible token on Bitcoin is stable coins, right? Uh, if you're able to issue like a USD stable coin just on layer one Bitcoin, I think that that's actually quite compelling because then you could even do like a trustless swap of Bitcoin to, you know, whatever this stable coin is. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you can even use it to power uh like you know in person or online uh you know buying and selling of other goods right like what bitcoin wanted to do uh right. from the start which is be money right yeah, to right. use as money and i think you know i personally have run into this which is you know if you actually go and try to spend bitcoin you always think about, oh, the price today is yeah. pretty low, right? <laughs> why why should I spend it today when tomorrow it could be like 10% more? Yeah. Yeah. And 
Mm. I think stable coins on Bitcoin will really solve this problem mm -hmm. um, and, and make it easier for people to want to use it as money. Right? Mm. Did you know that we're more than just a YouTube channel? We also built Mscribe, the first inscription platform built from the ground up for the metaverse on Bitcoin. Connect your bitmap ordinals and use our tools to bring your community into the virtual realm. Support us by joining the movement at mscribe.io. Like, comment, and subscribe for the latest alpha. Back to the video. So, so going back to Iman's like thought here on artifacts versus NFTs, we've seen the the mania kind of take off in um, you know twenty twenty with NFTs. Do you think the narrative of one hundred percent on chain on Bitcoin is enough to attract another similar mania because it's on Bitcoin? I think I think so. Um, hmm. But it shouldn't be the only thing, right? Um, with with it being 100% on chain, I can see some of the more high value NFTs uh, assets that want to, you know, be on chain 100% and pay for that. Um, but for most of the use cases, I think it's okay to be not 100% on chain. Mm. So yeah, there there's. There probably needs to be something else if you if you wanted to sure. uh, have another sort of like hype cycle. Yeah, I think I think yeah, you, you said something very interesting, like something native, I guess, to to Bitcoin or something unique to Bitcoin, right? We're, we've seen that I think with uh, with I don't know if you've been following this, but the whole bitmap thing, like, um, and then we've kind of like extrapolated a uh, a narrative around it, or maybe like an understanding called uh, of, of digital matter theory, this process of leveraging existing blockchain information and data as like a as a source of of value creation right and then the bitmap ecosystem did exactly that we've, we've leveraged the the chronology of i guess block block introduction mm -hmm. and we've we've used that as an underpinning tool to create a metaverse framework and mm -hmm. infrastructure out of it right so i think this is something that's never really been done it is originating from this ordinals I think community, right? And we're starting to see new experimentation around this process. So yeah. I think that's that's a that's a that's could be a contributing factor to, you know, eliciting a mania. And you know, we we keep talking about these manias and um Ken, what do you think is are these manias important for progress in crypto or are these like distractions? I think they're necessary for sure. I think any sort of like new technology uh in the beginning will have some sort of hype cycle where uh you know people are you know over over indexing on on its success right mm -hmm. and this cycle of speculation bring brings in attention brings in capital uh mm -hmm. for development in the future mm -hmm. and i think once this initial like wave settles uh there's now like much more long-term potential for people to build and uh, you know build th more complex things on top of it. So I think it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. So when you are talking to your team and you guys are deciding on which products to build, I'm I'm assuming that you're deciding based on a market of speculators. Would that be correct? To a certain degree, I think. Mm -hmm. But I think we can't just look at what people currently want and, and just build for that sure. because 
sometimes, you know, people don't know what, what is out there and what could be a better experience. Right. So we, we do have like a lot of, um, you know, market intelligence and just tapping into the community to see what people are looking for, Mm -hmm. what those features are, but we take that and sort of analyze and see, you know, what is it actually that people want? Is it, you know, something else that we could build that Mm -hmm. could be like a 10 X experience. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we're always like looking a little bit further ahead and thinking about, you know, what else is out there that could really change the game versus just being like reacting to the to the market and building what people are you know, looking for at this moment. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that um, you have sort of like an outlook of like, we need to build infrastructure and this is what that infrastructure looks like. And, you know, do you have another side of the team where it's like, okay, we have infrastructure to build and we see the market evolving in this direction. But you also see that there is an existing market of speculators who just want, you know, to, you know, hmm. trade shit coins, for example. <laughs> right. right. So yeah. how do you how do you make the decision on like building f- the infrastructure where it's yeah. kind of a gamble? Right. You, yeah. You don't really know it's going to go in that direction. And especially at this stage. Right. Because you guys are in your basically seed form. Yeah. <laughs> right. You just raise the seed round. So. We understand because we did. We are in the same yeah. stage as you guys with our project and our development cycle. So, and, and we have to deal with the exact same question I'm asking you, and that's yeah. why I want to. Yeah, because obviously resources are they're not infinite. Infinite, right? We yeah. have to make very strategic choices, right, and w- what directions we want to go. So, yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, how do you guys approach this dilemma? I guess, if yeah, you call it that. Yeah, we're a pretty small team too. You know, uh, we we only have 15 people right now, mm-hmm. and our engineering team basically can tackle like maybe like two features yeah. concurrently at the same time. Of course. So we kind of like split between uh, like half the team, maybe working on things people are uh, looking for right now. And then, you know, we have part of the team building out things that we think will be uh, coming to the picture, like, you know, three to five months down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you know, a startup is all about taking taking risks and yeah. uh, experimenting, right? Like there's there's I don't think there is a formula to it where you can be like hundred percent sure that you're making the right bet. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, a similar approach as well, and we're we we look at it as like MVPs. It's like we're we're testing out our assumptions. We release the MVP, see if it sticks, and and uh, get some feedback. So uh, you're you're right. It's extremely tough to figure out like what is it that makes sense to build an <laughs> right. infrastructure, or yeah. do you just cater to like what the chatter is on Twitter. Correct, but but it, it seems to be a reoccurring theme. It's if 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 we do not go down the infrastructure route, we're stuck in a situation where it's we're true. pigeonholed into a yes yeah, a non optimal environment, right? And we're yeah. waiting around for somebody else to build this critical infrastructure, which yeah. We've done that in the past and it, it doesn't work, right? So no matter what, we're, we're, we're kind of tasked to figure out what the infrastructure layers are. And regardless of resources or how big the team is, like we, we've got to tackle these issues no matter what. Yeah. Right. So I, and you guys focusing on ordinals and building on Bitcoin, I'm sure that is what you're confronted with every day. It's like you cannot wait around for infrastructure to just appear. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are responsible yeah. basically of laying down these foundations, right? So it, it is a big task, right? It, it, does, it, does it ever overwhelm in, in any sense? 
Oh yeah, for sure. You know, every day we're making decisions on like, should we build like a, a better indexer ourselves or yeah. like, <laughs> Dude, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <This laughs> yeah is- I think, I think we're so early in this space. Like there's so much work to be done just to have like things functioning normally, mm-hmm. um, that, that like, it's, it's almost crazy. Like how, how much there is to do right now. Yeah. So it, it is definitely a tough decision for us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know that we're more than just a YouTube channel? We also built MetaZone, the first app store for the metaverse. Buy, sell, and explore a new class of digital assets like our flagship game Rovi.ai. Support us by collecting your digital assets through MetaZone at MetaZone.io. Like, comment, and subscribe to stay updated. Back to the video. You you mentioned the, the word indexer, and we were talking about the uniqueness yeah. of ordinals. And mm-hmm. even though ordinals are, are extremely unique, right? Bitcoin, all that stuff, it's cool. I think it it comes with unintended consequences, which mm-hmm. are called indexers. Yeah. And so I want to get your thoughts on like not necessarily the indexer ecosystem, but just like the fact that we need indexers mm-hmm. to uh, to organize what's going on on ordinals. Mm-hmm. So like, just take me through your thoughts on just like the indexer concept because I, I think it's not necessarily new because we have indexers on Ethereum, but it, it's it's infrastructure piece that is so critical that we yeah. can't live without it basically mm-hmm. yeah so you know basically indexers all they do is they organize all the data that's on chain put on chain by inscriptions or ordinal inscriptions and put them into a format that is uh that can be understood by clients right mm-hmm. For example, you have, you know, these BRC20 tokens and everybody's sending transactions, there's mints, and there's like a whole history of transfers and mints on chain. But what is the current balance, right? Mm -hmm. What address owns how much of what token, right? If you wanted to figure that out, you you can either, you know, go back, you know, to whenever Ordinal started and look through every single Bitcoin block since then to arrive at the the current picture that we have today, mm-hmm. or you have these indexers who whose job is to you know just constantly do that and provide you with the database that you can query to get the get the latest right. Mm-hmm. And I think recently we've started to notice that uh, because there is no like standard like or a really good standard for indexers. Um, mm. you know, people have been making their own custom implementations, yeah. which are slightly different from, um, you know, the, the original, uh, indexing, uh, algorithm that, uh, Casey built with, with ordinals. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we actually started to see some discrepancies, right? Yes. Like if you look at some explorers, they would say this inscription belongs to this address That's and right. Some other ones would say it's a different address, and that that's just like concerning, especially when it comes to uh, Bitcoin, right? Because it's supposed to be immutable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the problem lies in kind of like the centralization of indexers. For example, uh, I think maybe like ninety percent of the, uh, the the projects and the infrastructure for BRC20 is probably dependent on, you know, Unisat's indexer for BRC20. Right. And that's not a good thing because if if their indexer goes down, 
basically most people won't be able to query balances that's right and it opens up the opportunity for you know people who who have malicious intent to like scam people right, right. um so i think we really need to come up with a better way of doing this and just like how we tell people you know if you really care about bitcoin you run your own nodes right yeah. i think we need to you know help indexing become more decentralized mm -hmm. and you know we're we're looking into it ourselves as well to see how we can tackle this problem mm -hmm. uh but but it's definitely something that's that i think is starting to become more concerning in the ecosystem i 100 agree uh I, I feel like this is something that we got to collaborate on because let me let me outline a, a problem that i see so we have experts and they're like okay it looks like we need to build our own indexer because of these reasons and then it's us. It's like, we need to build our own indexer because of these reasons. And the, the two different reasons are completely different, right? Yeah. yeah. We want to support <laughs> one aspect of the metaverse. You guys are doing your own thing because you see other importance. And so how do we, how do we reconcile our views on indexers and what we think is important to index and like contribute to innovation? Like, uh, for example, we were talking about this this idea that we had it's it's just a it's called dmt digital matter theory and it's just a name that identifies the utilization of bitcoin's data mm -hmm. right and so we're saying okay if if we utilize this we need an indexer to to recognize this meta protocol mm -hmm. right um so if we do this if we have our own indexer that recognizes this meta protocol how do we get, let's say, X versus indexer to support that meta protocol as well? Mm. Is it, do you think it's going to be some sort of technical tool that we build collectively that allows us to communicate indexers to each other? Or is it more of like manual collaborations? Like mm. here's the JSON data that we use to collect yeah. this information and here it is, you know, send it to you guys. Like, what do you, how do we, how do we do this? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, you know, one, one thing, one way that we, we thought of to solve this problem is to have like a indexer of indexers, right? So, uh, you can query this indexer that then queries all the different indexers mm -hmm. and gets information from those, those, okay. uh, places and then compares them and maybe also provide kind of like a confidence score, right? Is, is how confident are you that this, this data is correct? Is it, you know, 90% or hundred percent? And then the users can take that and make a decision on their own. Right. And that way, if like, you know, if you have like three out of five indexers that you're querying coming back with a different set of data, you can basically say, you know, we have like 0% confidence that this is correct. Mm -hmm. So you better watch out if you're, uh, you know, waiting on somebody to send you these funds uh, or sending or buying something with your BRC20 tokens. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of something like that, but that makes sense because we need to somehow enable people to come up with these new meta protocols because that's what moves progress, right? Like mm -hmm. example for, for bitmaps. Yeah. Um, and, and so you develop these meta protocols, but there needs to be some, some institution, some, some, you know, uh, like an, like an Oracle an indexer Oracle an indexer of indexers mm -hmm. that recognizes these meta protocols and just, I don't know, I guess supports it. And whether or not a market develops, you know, then the the upkeep of of that data of that meta protocol maybe just goes away just because nobody's use, using it or nobody mm -hmm. likes it, right? Mm -hmm. But we need to foster s some way where projects can come up with these meta protocols and 
and it gets recognized so that the invisible hand, as we say, decides which meta protocols end up getting actual traction. So is this not like, because you understand the graph, is this not the graph or is this something different, a situation that you know is it's It is unparalleled? like the graph. GraphQLs, right. developers come exactly. up with these. So, so why why don't they just kind of come over to support what's being built yeah. on ordinals or is it something like that has to come from within? Like is that is that? Uh, I, I think Graph is so huge, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, on your thoughts here, but I think Graph is, is so huge that um, they need to see traction. They need to see, <laughs> like, actual, yeah. you know, people using money spent, liquidity, all that stuff, mm -hmm. for them to support the Bitcoin blockchain. So and then most likely it will have to come from within. Right? I, the people probably. who it's like it's most pertinent to us, right? We, like you're saying, we kind of have to collaborate and to build our own, like, yeah. GraphQL system, right? I can see that. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Ken, on like building <laughs> the graph for Bitcoin. on Bitcoin? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there needs to be like financial incentives right, for a lot of yeah. these companies to come in. And I, I just don't see that happening like organically right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I agree. You know, this probably has to come from within. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe one of the bigger projects in the space will have to take it up and, and do something about it. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. It really paints a picture of just exactly how early we are and how, how, you know, this infrastructure period, it's always the most difficult to get through, but it is the most critical, right? Because our existence in Web3, we came in around 2019-ish, so I think a lot of that predated our yeah. entry into this phase. So we came in where things were much more in place, right? Yeah. We yeah. started building, it was like, oh, we, we ran into issues i guess technical issues and oh there was a solution to that right i guess somebody already <laughs> built all this right yeah but i guess we don't have the right experience pre that yeah how did that all assemble like in the yeah, years organically yeah from 2015 to uh, leading up to 2019 right so yeah there should be ways we can extract or reference those those events and then apply them here to ordinals right yeah i guess a a cheat way to do this is somebody <laughs> has access to like the graph team right and be like hey you need to take a look at ordinals yeah but uh well, it is fascinating though that yeah. this is such a problem and um yeah this is going to require i guess uh quite the effort amongst all of uh, all the founders right in this ordinal space yeah um yeah um all right so what do you think are the main points the main pain points for ordinals i guess outside of indexing because <laughs> we just of, went, yeah, yeah that you guys are focused on right yeah, what are the what are the main pain points that you see today that you guys are focusing on um, as far as uh, Express Wallet? Yeah, so one one of the things we're focused on right now is how do you actually keep your ordinal safe, right? And and this sort of relates to the indexing problem. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you if you look into like how Xverse handles addresses, we actually have two different addresses in your Bitcoin wallet. Uh, one of them. Uh, you can store like regular Bitcoin that you use right. to spend, buy things. And then we have a different address, a taproot address that is just for your ordinals, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously that's not a great user experience because people who are just coming into the space don't understand why do I have two addresses when it's just Bitcoin, right? Yep. And the, the main reason for that is in the beginning, indexers were not very reliable and sometimes they you know they just don't function very well if there's a reorg they actually go down for like a re really long period of time and you basically cannot tell whether or not the the bitcoin that you have in your wallet is 
a ordinal? Does it have an inscription or is it just regular Bitcoin? And that leads to a problem where if you only had one address and all of your Bitcoin, including ordinals, was in the same address, you could very easily accidentally spend wow. uh, your mm -hmm. expensive ordinals yep. when you <laughs> go and you know send like you know 0.1 Bitcoin to somebody or when you go and like buy another uh, ordinal on the marketplace, right? So we were trying to figure out a way so that we can combine these two addresses and people only have to, uh, you know, copy and paste one address and be able to receive everything from regular Bitcoin ordinals uh, to, you know, BRC20 tokens or whatever other fungible token standard we have in the future. Um, and, you know, I think it's kind of a tough problem in that you have to solve the indexing issues, but also like how we internally keep track of these, uh, you know, UTXOs or outputs uh, to make sure that even when the network or these indexers are not functioning correctly, uh, you, you, are, you still have like reasonable assurance that uh, you won't be accidentally spending your ordinals uh, for things like sure. purchases or, or fees. So yeah, that's, that's one of the problems that we're focused on solving right now. Yeah, we, we had a similar issue as well. And it turns out that there's some algorithms out there, very simple al algorithms that say first in, first out. So any UTXOs that you were using, you use that as spending and everything else, you use that as like, a, you, you kind of like don't touch it. But that's not a, a, a foolproof system either. So is this something that you have to develop, um, I, I guess, uh, originally? Like, uh, is this like a custom build for, for you guys, or are you kind of looking around for other tools that help solve that? Yeah, we're custom building this. So we're building, uh, you know, a way to like organize your UTXOs, uh, to prevent this problem from happening. And we're also, you know, looking to the indexing side of this as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of, a lot of issues. Um, so when, when you were in stacks, did you see similar like infrastructure issues, um, while you were on, on that team and on that side of like the Bitcoin ecosystem, did you see similar like, um, infancy stuff on, on stacks or is, is Bitcoin ordinals sort of like unique in that, in that way that it's, we're that early. Yeah, for sure. Uh, stacks definitely had its own, you know, growing pains. Uh, since you know since when it started but i think it's a little bit different in that stacks was still so new and open to change so if you had a problem you could you know open the proposal and actually make changes to the protocol mm. whereas on bitcoin like it's basically impossible for you to make a change on you know the base layer mm -hmm. layer one the protocol itself so you end up like adding things to it on top of it to fix problems. And, and with that, you had the risk of introducing more problems, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really like a different, different environment that you're building in. Mm -hmm. So when, um, when you were talking to your investors, what was it about like, what, what, what's happening in Ordinal's ecosystem that your investors were interested in? Like, what was it the, the main thing that they were like, okay, we're investing in, in X first wallet. 
Yeah, I think it depends on the investor, right? Some uh, some investors are you know really into the NFT metaverse space, and they just saw that ordinals being on Bitcoin has a lot of potential by itself, um, you know, to become like a very dominant NFT asset protocol. Mm -hmm. um, but for some other investors, I think what they see with ordinals is that there is demand for Web three like functionality on Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and they're more looking towards uh, the future where, you know, better infrastructure is in place and you can basically have everything from NFTs to DeFi uh, mm. and, and other things, smart contracts on Bitcoin. And, you know, Bitcoin as a chain, if you look at just the market cap of Bitcoin, it's basically more than twice that yeah. of Ethereum, yeah. right? And Ethereum, its market value is basically the the tokens and the other protocols being built using its smart contract system. Mm -hmm. Whereas for Bitcoin, there's still like relatively few applications built on top of it. So if we're able to fully unlock the potential of Web3 on Bitcoin, that represents a much bigger market. Yeah. And there's a lot more money that can be put into Bitcoin Web3 uh, versus you know Ethereum and some of the other chains. Mm -hmm. well, that's good to hear that because that's exactly why we started paying attention too. Yeah. We had these same yeah. conversations in the we're talking early early days when Ordinals was just like March. Well, even like February when we February, first when we yeah. first got introduced. Yeah, where everything was, you needed a node. We were trying to figure out how we inscribe. We we're like, oh, we don't have a Bitcoin full node, so I guess yeah. we can't. <laughs> <laughs> then we started to see these inscription tools popping up and yeah. like, okay, time to really start paying attention. The infrastructure is coming. Yeah. Right. But the thesis was sound even to, to, to us. Like there's, there's, and this is coming from me. I was like the, the ultimate Bitcoin. What's the opposite of maxi. <laughs> uh, uh, I, fader, was ultimate I was fader. fading Bitcoin just because it, to me, it was so boring. <laughs> not, not the, the, any, any innate value proposition of Bitcoin. It's, it's, it's fine. I understood why the world was adopting it. It's great. But yeah, for that, but I was paying attention to everything else because of all the action happening, all the development in the building, the culture behind that, right? Yeah. That, that's what was interesting to me. Yeah. And then I started seeing that's happening on Bitcoin and all of a sudden it's all we could talk about now. It's yeah. all, it's all we care about at the moment. Cause it's just so interesting to see this infrastructure just roll out before our eyes Yeah. and the potential, I guess you and your investors see yeah. of if, if, if we can unlock this potential on Bitcoin, what can that do? Right. It's, it's yeah. potentially massive, something we haven't seen before. Yeah. And it's such a huge risk on your investors part because it's mm -hmm. so new. It's so like untested is, yeah. I mean, we have counterparts, right? We have NFTs on Ethereum and that took off. That was like a $60 billion thing for like a stretch. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and then imagine that, I mean, imagine that happening on top of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could like, it's two and a half X potential, Yeah, you know? So, yeah. um, you, you got really smart investors. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we agree with them. We, we align with them because, yeah, yeah. We, we see the value here as they do. And um, so that's that's good news because this instills a lot of confidence in like the Bitcoin eco ecosystem, right? The ordinals yeah. ecosystem. And yeah, speaking of that, so we've talked a lot about stacks and ordinals. There's other, I guess, like floating attempts out there like stamps and SRC20s. And I, I've been hearing things about ORC20s and stuff yeah. like that. Like other having, meta protocols. Correct. Other... And yeah, a lot of these are addressing some of the pain points of ordinals itself. And mm -hmm. they're, they're using different, I guess, mechanisms native to Bitcoin to kind of do the same things ordinals do, but in a different, I don't know, yeah, style, I guess. 
and there's like little communities around them. Like, are you guys investigating that and whether or not you should support it? Uh, have you seen traction in any of these other experiments or right now is it just purely stacks and ordinals? Yeah, we're keeping our eyes on all these protocols. Uh, we are investigating. Um, you know, I think some of these really have potential. It's just that we have a small team right now. We really have to focus on uh, like the low hanging fruit, right? Yeah. But I think a lot of these protocols will eventually get to um, integrating integrating them. Um, for something like, you know, ORC20 or SRC, I think from what I've seen so far, they're they're good, but I think there just isn't, hasn't been like a, a really, really good protocol that people can say, oh yeah, this is definitely better than, you know, BRC20 right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it offers so much more that, you know, once we integrate with it, everyone is going to come and use yeah. it right yeah i think there still needs to be a lot of work done there but we're we're open to integrating these protocols yeah and if you know if we see like something is definitely picking up traction uh we'll definitely support it yeah i, I think that's the best way to do it because you can't like you're saying the small team you can't support everything Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make sense to support everything because, you know, if there's no traction, there's no reason to support it. Yeah. Even if it makes like technical sense, like, uh, yeah. like if one meta protocol is better yeah, than the other, better, like it doesn't like, mean that people are going to use it. Yeah. It always boils down to that. Right. Like yeah. where, where is the liquidity? Where is the, uh, the consensus? Right. Yeah. Even if it's like BRC twenties forever, yeah. I guess we're just stuck. It could know, be, it could be, but I, I don't know. Unlikely, maybe. Uh, maybe is the word. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would say it's very unlikely. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And uh, and then there's like projects, you know, building on top of like this, uh, the, the BRC twenty, and they're 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 building some sort of a Bitcoin virtual machine mm. uh, on Bitcoin, which is very interesting. But uh, but you know, we need to see that get traction as well before anyone starts supporting anything like that. Correct. So it's it's a tough tough space it's like uh it's a, that's why you know to us i mean we're we come from like the the metaverse background and um and so one of our and we we share investors Sofermian. they're they're the ones really focused on on the metaverse and uh when we saw you know bitmap and once we talked about it on our on our podcast it took off in 17 days it inscribed out 800,000 roughly it's true got yeah. inscribed out and so that is the adoption that we need to see in like any new meta protocol mm. in order for anyone to support it so as soon as that like that was a confirmation for us right? yeah. yeah it was like we got to contribute here we got to build here we have to mm. you know take our existing project and support this ecosystem mm -hmm. uh, because i mean that traction was was huge right and purely organic and organic yeah 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 so um so yeah things like that is what gives us indicators that we need to support anything just like just like you see with with mm -hmm. uh, any orc 20 meta protocol development um so do you see um how do you solve the congestion issue is is like we were talking about going to stacks is is that how we should think mm. about solving yeah. the congestion issues is, is stacks like the go-to and yeah and do you have any inside insight i guess to where is lightning network gonna kind of like factor yeah. into all of this because we saw taproot assets like they were working on something like that and then we looked into i think their cto put out like a 
<laughs> like a blog or yeah. a PowerPoint re- presentation, how he's going to bring in ZK into right. all of this. So we're very interested to hear like what is next for this scaling dilemma. And do you have any unique insight into that? So I, I think I'm much closer to the stacks ecosystem because, you know, I know the, uh, the people working on it. And I think it comes down to like, who can uh, work faster and release like a product that people can get their hands on and what that user experience looks like. For me right now, I think Stacks is a little bit further along in that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there is like a, a slower version uh, of what's, what's, what's to come in like a few months that you can actually play with, build smart contracts. Mm. Um, and then in a few months, there's going to be SBTC where now you have like uh, this this pegged Bitcoin that's trustless that you can move between layers and using smart contracts uh, and faster blocks, which means you can now uh, scale these uh, transactions for ordinals or BRC20, um, you know, make it faster and have more transactions going on per block, right? Mm-hmm. I think we, we also are looking into Taproot assets and I think it's really interesting as well. Um, but we, I think we need to see like more, I guess, better developer experience. Like how, how can we, can, when can we start building support for this? Right. Like mm-hmm. right now, I think it's a little bit too early still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever in, in kind of like your strategy, kind of like development meetings and just your thought process on building products and supporting markets? Do you ever consider, you know, what's happening with like regulations and the SEC going after basically everything in Ethereum? <laughs> yeah. Like, do, does does that enter your peripherals when making decisions, or are you just like, you know, shoot from the hip and? Yeah, and I wonder if somehow this becomes like a, a, like a value feature of building on Bitcoin, just because we've seen the SEC stance more positively against like for Bitcoin, right? So. Yeah, maybe somehow it could be interpreted like building decentralized applications on, you know, Bitcoin uh, framework or infrastructure would be less of a in the in the scopes of the SEC potentially. Right. So, yeah, yeah. it's like, um, you know, the SEC really doesn't care unless, you know, there's a billion dollars being exchanged. Yeah. So does it really matter? Like for us builders, should it matter, you know, what the SEC is doing Mm. or does traction and like liquidity that's when you start making, you know, these considerations. What do you, what do you think, Ken? I think you should have like regulations in mind, uh, always, because if you want to scale your business or a project, you definitely have to, you know, be compliant with the regulations. Otherwise you just wouldn't be able to grow beyond your, you know, your initial size. Right. And I think for Bitcoin, it's really interesting because, in the past, Bitcoin has just been this very simple asset, uh, you know, that you could potentially just call a commodity that people buy and hold, and you know they can use it as money if they want. But there isn't, you know, this like uh, ICO or you know a lot of tokens, fungible tokens, that could get you in trouble with the SEC in terms of you know is this a security or not, but now that we're seeing BRC20 on Bitcoin, it's possible that, you know, some projects will decide to 
issue tokens and have these ICOs on Bitcoin, right? You know, maybe some of them will be compliant, some of them uh, will be, you know, useful. Um, but, you know, for sure, some of them are going to run into issues with regulation, right? Yeah. At that point, uh, is the SEC's view on Bitcoin going to stay the same or are they going to treat it just like Ethereum, right? I think that's that's hard to say at this point. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like you can make uh, securities, security assets on Bitcoin. It's just like how it's being marketed and it's how, how it's being treated. So I think the SEC w will come in at some point, mm -hmm. right? So I think it does make sense to consider regulations when building anything. Um, I had a business question for you, Ken. What, you know, as a wallet, what, what is your monetization strategy, um, as far as like, you know, building out a wallet and like, how do you monetize something like that? Cause I don't know how MetaMask monetizes, I, I guess like swapping within the, the MetaMask protocol. Um, so, so how do you guys like consider monetizing a, a wallet? Yeah, so I think we're still super early. So what we're focused on right now is building the best possible product that's going to onboard more users rather mm -hmm. than just focusing on how we're going to make money. Um, but there are definitely a lot of ways that we can generate revenue. So one way is through on-ramps, right? So we've partnered with, uh, you know, companies that allow you to purchase crypto um, and deposit directly into your wallet very easily. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can make revenue off of that. Um, but if you take MetaMask as an example, they generated a lot of revenue from their swaps product, right? Mm -hmm. And all they're doing is connecting users to different decentralized exchanges and basically providing the, the convenience mm -hmm. and uh, finding them sort of like the lowest execution costs for the trade that they want. Yeah. And it turns out to be a really great business model, right? Yeah. So I think there's a lot more in terms of uh, business models for wallets. Um, but I think we should really focus on building out a good product that uh, can have mass adoption. And then it'll be you know easy to like turn on sure. these revenue models down the road. Yeah, that's that's an interesting kind of like um, explanation just because this is a side that we're not exposed to. Like, for example, we have Xverse Wallet uh, connected to our Mscribe project focusing on, on bitmaps. And um, and so, you know, I was just curious is like how how one monetizes a wallet since since people expect, you know, to, to have a wallet and like there's no real cost associated with it. But mm -hmm. but yeah, swapping tokens would be probably like a, a no brainer. Yeah. Or really just like integrating as much, like becoming the like all-in-one app for Web3. Yeah. Seems like the most optimal yeah, strategy. On, on Bitcoin? Hell yeah. Well, if in, all, in all chains cases, like if yeah, you want to become that, that, that killer, that is like the killer app of Web3, you know? That is, yeah. Being that all-in-one servicer, right? And making things easy yeah. to the end user because obviously things are not, <laughs> right? And that it needs to get to that point or else. So are you... Yeah. Uh, the onboarding, is that going to be happening through the wallet itself? Or do you have like a separate interface like on the website where you basically, you know, convert fiat to, to crypto? Uh, you mean in terms of the on-ramp or yeah, the on swaps? Correct. Yeah. On-ramp. On the on-ramp. Yeah. So we, we actually don't build any of that right now. So we basically point them to the partners that we work with and they are, okay. they've already built this whole onboarding KYC and everything. Mm, sure. um, so we don't have to worry about that for now. Yeah. That's, that's good. 
Um, all right. So final thoughts here. What are the chances that the Bitcoin ecosystems developer ecosystem surpasses something like Ethereum? <laughs> Is this like a, you know, 1% chance or are we talking like above 50% chance? I think it's inevitable, right? Because like we, we already see so much growth, even in a deep bear market. Yeah. And like a lot of the developers that are building on Ethereum right now, they actually started building out, building on Bitcoin. And mm -hmm. then they went to Ethereum because you, they couldn't build what they wanted to build on Bitcoin. But if we're able to allow these developers to build what they want, I think, I think they'll, they'll come. Yeah. And yeah. If we hit the next bull market and you know, more capital starts coming in mm -hmm. and there's more attention on Bitcoin and the infrastructure is in a better place than it is now, then I think there's a very, very good chance that we'll see more development happening on Bitcoin versus something mm -hmm. like Ethereum. See, I told you Bitcoin was cool, dude. TJ, sorry, sorry, dude. Yeah. True despair. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dude. Well, that's that's interesting. And so we're, we're back to kind of like um, a, a flippening uh, yeah. moment, I guess, back to 2017, right? Like, it was like, well, 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 I guess it's like, uh, like there's no flippening, right? Because Bitcoin. Yeah, this is not the flippening I wanted, Ivan. Yeah, this is more <laughs> like the, the, the stopping or something. I yeah, don't know yeah. <laughs> what's going to happen to everything else if everyone does just come back to Bitcoin. Yeah, I right. mean, if if uh, the Bitcoin ecosystem can offer similar counterparts to the Ethereum ecosystem in terms of functionality and developer ecosystem, mm -hmm. like why would any developer build anywhere else? Well, there's gonna have, I guess, is like a wait and see yeah. question, right? Because obviously, even if Bitcoin does just win out everything, there's got to be enough to go around from everywhere else. I, I, don't, I, know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I agree. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be interesting, but this this definitely feels like a a hot enough narrative yeah. to get enough people interested and re-engaged into this space, right? Bitcoin versus Ethereum. Who's got the best dApps? Yeah, yeah, who's yeah. got the best DeFi? Who's got the best NFTs? And, yeah, who's got the best metaverse experiences? Yeah. Like That is interesting. Oh, right? yeah. And people will want to be like... Yeah, you need that competition. That. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ken, final thoughts. Like, what's, uh, what's like a... I guess any any final thoughts that you have to say, any alpha releases, anything to look forward to as far as Xverse Wallet? Yeah. Uh, so in the next little while, we are focused on uh, developer infrastructure. So we're going to be releasing a few features that are focused on developers and helping them build their products. So this is going to happen in the next week or two. So yeah, awesome. stay tuned and uh, you'll be surprised. Okay, well, let, let's stay in touch, Ken. I really appreciate you joining us. This has been, um, you know, just kind of fantastic to talk about, you yeah. know, Bitcoin. Um, there's this is a small ecosystem still, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's it's important that you know we stay in contact and just you know keep up with each other's development, just because um, we don't want to build anything that you're already building, and I'm assuming you agree with that, uh, vice versa. <laughs> So, uh, so thank you, Ken, for, for showing up. I know it's super late and, uh, we'll be happy to have you back on the podcast anytime that you want. So uh, thank you so much, Ken. Yeah. Happy to. And thanks for having me. All right, guys. Um, all the links will be in the description. I appreciate you guys for watching and, uh, we'll catch you in the next podcast. Peace out. <laughs>